Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. In our last episode, we discussed the process of buying a house and where to start. And if you listen to that and thinking, yeah, that's something I absolutely want to do, I'm ready to get started, but what about the financing side of things? How do I get pre-approved? Well, you're in luck. That's actually what we're going to discuss in today's episode. We're going to take it, you know, a little bit further than just talking about, you know, pre-qual versus, you know, pre-approval. We're actually going to go into detail of what each of those mean so that you have a full understanding of the process so that we can help you become the educated home buyer. Josh, pre-qual versus pre-approval. Let's let's take a minute here and talk about what the difference are between the two and get this started. Absolutely. So a, a lot of folks go and as we talked about in the last episode, reach out to a realtor such as yourself. You have a basic conversation about what they're looking for, where they want to buy, what it looks like. And the question comes up, have you been pre-approved? Um, and they may say, well, I was pre-qualified or I talked to this person. Um, a pre-approval is essentially going all the way through the application process so that we can vet everything. Let's look at a pre-qualification. Let's say that you and a realtor uh, go out, see a home on the weekend, and the decision is we want to write an offer and you cannot get to your documentation. We could do a pre-qualification over the phone. I'm going to ask you things like, how much money do you make? Are you paid by the hour? Or are you paid a salary? Do you work for yourself? Do you work for someone else? We're going to go through, okay, how much money do you have? Where is that money at? What do your debts look like? Do you have any credit cards, auto loans, student loans, any other revolving or installment debt, the type of stuff that would show up on your credit report? Do you happen to know what your credit score looks like? So you can see in about five minutes, we can run through and I can pre-qualify you. I can tell you that if everything that you just gave me is correct, and I don't have any reason to think that you're lying, I just know from talking to people all day, every day, I do two to five of these every business day, very few people know the accurate answers. And when I say accurate, down to the number, the way an underwriter wants to know it. So well, there's- Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to say something here though. Like nobody intends to lie when going through the process. There's no benefit to, to lying. People just- sometimes don't understand don't the numbers that, that, you know, they're paid or, or how they're paid, or it's, it's crazy to think that, but it's the reality. No, all the time. I, I had a client come in this week, they're paid uh, biweekly. So every two weeks, so they get paid 26 times a year, their application showed their income of two paychecks a month. Cause in their mind, I get paid twice a month makes a, a pretty significant difference. If you make good pay, it could be five, six, $800 difference in your income. So, there's two reasons why a pre-qualification is subpar. You may not know all of the numbers off the top of your head. You may forget 
one debt, you may um, see or, or say, hey, my Chase credit card says my credit score is 732. And when we pull it, it's 705. It's not going to keep you from qualifying for the loan, but it's going to change the terms. So that pre-qualification is basically used just in case of emergency. Like we have to know, like, is it even reasonable to think that we could buy this home that we want to write an offer on right now? And if the answer is yes, it's run home and let's get access to the documentation that we need. Now, a pre-approval basically is myself or another lender underwriting, pre-underwriting your, your file. So we're going to get your pay stubs and W-2s if you are employed by someone else. If you're self-employed or you own rental properties, we're going to get tax returns. We're going to go through that analysis and we're going to come up with a number that an underwriter is going to be able to use for qualifying you. And I can tell you this all the time. One of the most common things I get is our disclosures go out uh, once a file is open. Jeb sends us a purchase contract. We send out disclosures. They look at the loan application. The borrower looks at the loan application and says, well, that's not my income. I make like $1,000 more than that a month. You say, yes, you do today. The way an underwriter calculates your income is the accurate number that we have on there. So with the income, we're going to go all the way through it, make sure that we have the proper employment history to be able to use this income, accurately calculate the income figure. At that point, we're gonna pull credit. We're not gonna to have to ask you, hey, who do you owe? How much do you owe? We're gonna pull the credit. So we're gonna get an accurate three bureau credit score. So now we know what your mid credit score is for pricing, for product eligibility, and we're gonna see all the debts and you and I can go through it. There may be a number there that's off or had a client yesterday, bought a home up in Bakersfield. She says, hey, from the time you pre-approved me to the time you sent my disclosures out, I paid those three credit cards off, cool. Now we can remove those from there. So we're gonna we're gonna review and just make sure that what shows up on the credit report, which can be as much as 30 days out of date, is accurate. Sometimes negative stuff will show up uh, that that you're not aware of, and it need, either needs to be corrected or you go, oh my god, I missed that credit card payment last month. So now we're solid on income. Now we're sol solid on liabilities. Now, what do you say to the person that says, I don't want to have my credit run, Josh? I mean, I'm going to be shopping lenders. I'm not I'm not actually ready to do this. I, I just wanted you to run my income on my DTI to tell me how much I could afford. I, I don't want to have my credit run. It's going to ruin my credit. And, you know, it, I, I've done this before and or I've read online or whatever. How's that so conversation go? It, it's, a, it's a great question. There's two pieces to that. Um, if we did everything else except for pulling the credit, you essentially have a super prequal. You still, we don't know. The most important thing about the credit is not that I magically have the credit score and can see your credit. It's that without the credit, we cannot run your file through an automated underwriting system. So you're never truly pre-approved without the credit report. And again, going back to that person that says, oh, I, I'm gonna shop, I don't want my credit pulled or just I don't want my credit pulled at all, okay. You have a 45-day window per the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, they said it is important when you are getting a mortgage or a student loan or an auto loan that you have the ability to shop. So when we or any other mortgage company inquire and pull your credit report, the inquiry states that it's a mortgage inquiry. All mortgage inquiries within a 45-day period are treated as a single inquiry. So if you want to shop, if you want to have 15 loan officers pull your credit, that's going to make for some interesting explanations when the file goes into underwriting. So, but you are absolutely within your rights to do that. It's not going to impact your credit score. And what I always tell people is if you're on the higher end of the credit scale, if you have a 750 plus credit score, it's a one to three point hit having an inquiry and that heals fairly quickly. 
on the lower end of the scale, and especially if you've had a lot of inquiries. So again, we just said not a lot of mortgage inquiries because all of those within 45 days are gonna be treated as a single inquiry. But let's say you went and had three auto inquiries and you tried to get five credit cards and two consolidation loans over the last couple months. That's gonna have a really big impact. So think about what that credit scoring algorithm is looking at. It wants to know what debts you have, what your payment history is on those and what the debt load looks relative to your potential max credit in terms of your credit card lines. But it's also looking and saying, is this person looking for more credit? Are they trying to get their hands on more money? So again, at the higher end of the credit scale, these things have fairly minimal impacts. The lower you go on the credit, the more that algorithm starts going, hey, that's an issue. So Jeb, in answer to your question, we can get you a, a really accurate prequal without the credit report, but we can't run it through the automated underwrite. And why that is important is the automated underwriting has much more uh, expansive debt to income abilities than uh, the manual underwrite. If we're just going with manual guidelines, we have stricter, tighter debt to income guidelines. And the, the automated underwriting is truly a black box. We don't know exactly what goes in the algorithm. I run enough files through desktop underwriter and loan prospector that we have a pretty solid idea of what's going to come out, but we always get surprised. I got surprised by a VA one yesterday, borrower with a credit score in the 700s, a 55 DTI, which Jeb, you and I've talked all the time. We've got way higher than that approved. Comes back and it won't approve it. So you're, you're getting a strong pre-qualification, but we don't really know. And if we're trying to max out your debt to income, it can be an issue. If you make a ton of money and your debt to income ratio is going to be 17%, really not an issue. We know where you're going to fall in there. But if you want us to give Jeb a pre-approval letter, there's no world we're doing a pre-approval letter without the credit uh, report because we right. don't know that you can be uh, approved. So yeah. so let's, from, let's take a minute here, Josh, before you dive into the next point here. I mean, I realize this, this podcast, if you will, is very much about your side just because, I mean, this is what you deal with. But I want to ask some questions that I, I hear. Um, as a real estate agent, you know, when people are going through this process or are considering this process, it's, you know, I'm not planning on looking for a house for six months. Should I get it pre-approved now? Like, why should I give you my doc documentation at this point if I'm six months out or, or how soon should I start this process? I guess is a better question. I, I always tell people it's never too soon because a lot of times it's funny. People are generally, for the most part, really cool. Think of, all, think of all the people that you know. Most people are pretty cool. Some people are jerks. Most people are really cool. And they say, I don't want to waste your time. I'm not buying for six months. There's no potential uh, paycheck for you. Let's, let's just wait. And I say, the most important thing I can do is build relationships with people so that they know, like, and trust us that when the time comes, they want to get a loan from us. And giving you that information is critical. You knowing upfront, the worst thing that can happen is you think, hey, in six months, I'm going to buy a $600,000 house. And in five months, you go get pre-approved and find out there's an issue that could have been worked around that will prevent you from buying anything more than a $400,000 house or prevent you from being pre-approved entirely. So, if someone really said early six months in the process, I don't want my credit pulled, 
okay. I mean, as long as we have a solid idea and, and where I, it's funny, there's sort of a catch 22. I'm more comfortable with that for the guy that tells me he has an 800 credit score than the guy that says he's got a 650 credit score. And the reason being is there's just way more room for fluctuation, like a credit karma that says someone has a 650. I'm assuming it's closer to 620. If a credit karma tells someone they have an 800, it's probably 790 to 810. It's just more accurate on the higher credit scores. So never too early. It gives you certainty. It allows you to plan. It lets you know. So the pre-approval process, not the pre-approval letter, but the pre-approval process, the most important three outcomes that you walk away from that with is you're going to know what you qualify for. So max number, you're going to know how much money you need to make that happen. And then you're going to know exactly what your monthly payment looks like. You may not be comfortable with any of those. I talk to people all the time and say, okay, yeah, we're looking in this city and to get us a, a really nice three bedroom condo, it's $625,000. And we go through it and say, okay, you qualify for it and that payment's gonna be X. And they go, I don't want that payment. That payment's way too high. The payments uh, are what they are. Right. And it's surprisingly, it, I, nothing I'm saying here is, is anti-buyer or borrower of the people contacting us. I'm just telling you the things that I hear regularly. Sure. People don't understand what their actual income is. People don't understand how much money they need to have or what a payment looks like. And sometimes it's to the flip side. Sometimes they're like, oh, we're hoping we can qualify for $400,000. And you run the numbers and you're like, actually qualify for 750. You know, we have a client of yours, Jeb, was worried that with rates having gone up that they wouldn't qualify in the million dollar range. And you run the numbers and you're like, well, you can buy a million five if you want to. I know you, I know you don't want to, <laughs> but you could. So that's yeah. a lot of what this is, is setting expectations and setting a roadmap for getting from here to there. Like a lot of times if people contact me and they haven't spoken to a realtor, if they contact me because you said, or another realtor said, Hey, call Josh, we got to get you pre-approved. Then they're, they're kind of like, okay, what does this look like? What do we get? They contact me directly. A lot of times it's, I got to get a pre-approval letter. So what do I need to get you so I can get that pre-approval letter? And I always tell them that the letter is, is an outcome um, that you're going to need when you go to your realtor to write the offer, but it's really, it's the least important thing of the process. It's the knowledge and the certainty, and it's the loan comparison that we're going to send you. Once you're pre-approved, I'm going to send you one to three options, and we're going to talk about different ways of structuring it. We're going to talk about lender credits versus paying points and how that impacts. It just allows you, I, I tell people my initial discovery phone call, when the realtor refers a person over, we have mainly a 10 minute conversation on the front end. So I get a handle on what do they want to do? I ask them questions so I know what documentation that I need from them. And I always say, are there any additional questions you wanted to go through before I send you out the portal request, uh, the portal invitation for the documentation? And most times like, no, no, I don't really have any questions now. I say, good news. When we finish this and I come back with a bunch of information for you, it's going to trigger a lot of questions and better questions. Front end questions are oftentimes what they've heard or what their brother said they should ask or what their mother-in-law said they needed to look for. And sometimes they're good questions. Sometimes they're off the wall and don't have a whole lot of impact on what we're doing. But once you start seeing numbers, you're going to have really good questions that are your questions that relate to your specific situation. So that, um, you know, and, and Jeb, just circling back and closing what we're doing in that pre-approval, the last piece of that is we're going through your assets. I get a lot of questions. People, they're either getting a gift or they're getting a year-end bonus or they're transferring money. And people are really good about going online and Googling stuff. And they come back worried that their funds are not going to be usable. We almost never 
have a problem making funds that are available to you become good funds for the transaction. So it's just a matter of getting all of those, all of our cards on the table, and then we figure out how to play our hand from there. That's really what that pre-approval process looks like and why it's very different um, from a prequal. No, yeah, I, I, great. Uh, you know, from so just in summary, what I'm hearing is you saying a prequal is just having a conversation without any documentation. And the pre-approval is backing that conversation up with all the documentation necessary, the income, the assets, running the credit, all of that information to confirm that the information they gave you was accurate. Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. Okay. And Jeb, that, that kind of reminds me of a question that I always get or often get, okay, cool. Does that mean we're going to go all the way through underwriting? And the answer nine times out of 10 is no. It doesn't go past me. I've done this for 26 years. My loan analyst, Lori, has been an underwriter for, for 20 years. So from that perspective, we know when there's no problem. The right. files that actually go to underwriting are the ones that we go, we think we can get this deal done, but we need to put it in um, to underwriting just so we have a rubber stamp and we know we're not going to have any problems. Because the worst thing I could ever do is give you a, a realtor, Jeb, a pre-approval letter, have you go out and write an offer and then come back in two weeks into the process. Hey, yeah, we didn't know what we were talking about and they don't actually qualify. So there's a subset of those that we're going to send through into underwriting. We had one, um, it was a client of Billy's six or eight months ago, and it was an it was a hairy VA file, but we felt strongly about it and we can make it work. We sent it in, underwriter agreed, get us these things and you're good. And we were able to get those people into a home. We were able to get their offer accepted. I have sort of on the flip side, an agent yesterday that she asked me, it's a VA buyer in a very competitive market here in Long Beach, California. She said, can you get me a full underwriting pre-approval? I know you guys know she's fully qualified, but we're at that point, we're asking the realtor on the other side to accept that Josh, who they probably don't know, we're in a huge market, knows what he's doing and his team has fully vetted this file. So if you can include in your pre-approval package an actual underwriting approval, that will go a long ways towards getting us a zero down VA offer accepted in a very competitive market. So it's an important Not piece good. of it. It's rarely used, but it, it, you know from your end, it's sometimes needed. And we're going to talk about the realtor side here in just a minute. But the last question I want to address and ask, I know the answer, but many people out there don't. What 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 are you going to charge me to get me pre-approved? It's what, a great what's question. The fee? Great question. There's zero cost for it. And, and people go, well, you're doing a bunch of work. We had this call and I'm going to send you this stuff. You're going to analyze it. And then we're going to get another call. Don't you have to make money? Every industry is, is unique and different. Realtors and lenders, we only get paid at the closing table. So... I have a strong incentive to make you happy throughout the process so that we keep moving forward, so that we're getting good terms, good answers, knowledge, expertise. So there's no cost on, on the upfront end. We're building a relationship and goodwill so that when you get to closing, you want to close what, with a loan from us. What if I don't close? What if I don't qualify? How do you get paid? That's the cost of doing business. We, we do a lot of pre-approvals of people. In this market, it's not so much, most people that contact us, it's not that they don't qualify, it's that prices are, are appreciating rapidly and maybe they don't qualify for what they wanted or where they needed to get or they weren't comfortable with the payment of where they needed to get even if they qualify. So all of those things, um, it's just a cost of doing business in time, effort, energy, the cost of pulling credit reports. You know, you had asked about someone not wanting to pull a credit report. No one in the world wants to pull a credit report less than me. We pay about you know twenty to forty dollars every time we pull one of those. And if we're doing it two, three, four times a day, it's a big bill at the end of the month. We do it because we're building relationships with people that will close. 
No, it's good stuff. Now, as a real estate agent, um, one of the first conversations I have with somebody, if you guys listen to the prior episodes, is asking them if they're pre-approved. Occasionally, that, that you know, the answer is yes. They've already been through that pre-approval process. They've done what they've need needed to do. And if they haven't, go back and listen to the previous episodes where we talk about what the process is there. But if they have been, been pre-approved, rather, uh, occasionally they say, I have a pre-approval letter. Here's my pre-approval letter, Jeb. I'm ready to go. And so with that, a lot of times my first call is, you know, after we we have a little conversation is to that lender to verify that they've actually looked at the documentation. Occasionally I'll get a letter that they only did the prequal. They didn't actually document the the necessary uh the the pay stubs, the tax returns, the the assets. They they might have run the credit or whatever, but they didn't do the details. So my job as a real estate agent is to make sure the lender actually did their job um, so that we can go out and look at property and move forward. I mean, I mentioned last time, you know, it's an emotional process. The The home buying process is emotional. And, and the last thing you want to do as a home buyer is get fully vested in that process, find a home you love and find out that you can't move forward. So making sure that you have the proper documentation provided to that lender so they can issue that pre-approval is important. Now, they give me that pre-approval letter and, and, you know, we'll go out and we find a property, you know, what happens in the situation where, you know, I say, Hey, listen, are you pre-approved? Yes, I'm pre-approved, but they never gave me a letter or they never gave me this documentation as a real estate agent. I don't really care if you have a letter or not. I just want to make sure you've been through the process and understand where you are, you know, with regards to qualification, how much you can afford, you're comfortable with all of that stuff. But Josh, are you providing a letter on every single one? How does that work? Are you waiting for me to call you to have a conversation? Let's take a minute here and just talk about that because I think it's important. What, what you said is really important. If someone comes to me and they weren't referred from a realtor, the first thing I want to do once we finish the pre-approval, say, okay, we got you approved for $375,000 single family residence and we're going to do FHA financing. I want to connect with your realtor and go through this, answer their questions, um, go through the points that I think are important that they need to know. And as part of that conversation, I'm going to let them know my preference is always to give you a custom pre-approval letter with every offer that you make so that the dates on everything are fresh so that when you look at it, you don't go, hey, they haven't talked to this person in three weeks. We want to know that we've got fresh dates on the letter, fresh dates on the DU findings, and that everything matches up to the property. We have the correct property taxes on it. We have the correct purchase price. We have the correct property address. So with all of that, you can see um, everything about that pre-approval package speaks to the listing agent receiving it. And in this market, they're getting 15, 20, 30 of these. If they get a garbage, crappy looking letter with obvious red flags in it, it's a good way to get your offer not taken seriously. So from our end, we want to go, what do they want to see? What do they want to know? Um, if it's hard to get a hold of that agent and, and give them the additional insight that we want into that, how do we tell the story in the pre-approval letter? And it's largely making sure everything is recent, dialed in, and accurate. And from that end, I want to have the conversation with your realtor on the front end so we're in communication so that they know that I know what I'm doing. Like we, we talk about this all the time, 80 to 90% of, of loan officers are not good. So most realtors, when they hear you have your own lender, they're skeptical. To, to say the least, I would say skeptical is a safe word. I want to have a conversation so that in five, 10 minutes they go, 
okay, these people know what they're doing. Just like Jeb said, they didn't just have a conversation. They gathered the documentation. They reviewed it. Who are they? How long have they in the, been in yeah. the business? And how are they going to work with me and support me? Because the funny part, like we're talking about the cost of doing business for us is sitting at the desk, running numbers and pulling credit reports. The cost of business for Jeb or another realtor is giving up their Saturday and Sunday and driving you around to houses and making offer after offer after offer. That agent needs to be comfortable that I've got their back and I've given them all the ammunition I can when they're out there writing offers for you. No, it's important because I mean, I'm fortunate in, in regard that I have a background in mortgage lending. So I can look at a pre-approval letter. I can look at DU findings and kind of see some of the red flags. But even if I don't get the pre-qualification and I'm talking to to their lender, um, I'm asking questions that, you know, what, what's the debt to income ratio? What are their credit scores? You know, just certain things to, to, to make sure they've actually done, you know, the, their, their job. I mean, I'm not, you know, sitting there looking over their shoulder, you know, making sure nitpicking their file. It's more of just having that conversation to make sure we're all on the same page because it's a market where the lender, the real estate agent have to work together more so than ever, ever in history, the agent, we're all a team, if you will, right? The the buyer, the lender, the real estate agent, and even the listing agent on the other side, quite frankly, are all a team trying to get to the finish line. And so we all want the same thing. It's, you know, but we've got to make sure we, we've done our job up front in order to, to make the right decisions going through that process. So You've been pre-approved, Josh. You know, each real estate agent's a little bit different in what they want. Some agents want each single letter catered to the loan amount that they submit. So say let's let's hypothetically we'll go back to to my client that is approved up to 1.5 million, but he's looking at properties around a million. You know, some agents if he makes an offer at a million, want the pre-approval letter for a million. If he makes an offer at 980, they want the pre-approval offer for 980. And I've been one of those agents in the past that have kind of catered each letter to each property, if you will. But my now I've changed it a little bit because the market has changed, right? I'm trying to go in now in this environment and say, okay, if you're approved for a million, five, and you're making an offer for a million, just send me a letter for a million five. I want to show them how well qualified you are, how strong of a buyer that you you are, and that you can actually afford way more home than you're looking at. That to me, you know, if I'm an if I'm an agent reviewing offers, that's something to me that stands out. Okay, this guy can actually buy way more home than he is buying. So you know that to me is is a stronger candidate. So I'm one of those people that want just one letter. I'm good with one letter, but in that file. I do want the DU findings, the automated underwriting approval. And that I do want catered maybe to a specific property because there are things out there in this market like appraisal waivers, certain things that you can get as a as a buyer or you know when a lender is actually running your file that will benefit you. It might give you the, the ability to waive the appraisal with no risk. And that's huge. And so having that catered to each file is critical. And then I want to see credit scores, right? I want to include the credit scores as part of, of the file and the proof of funds. I want to show, you know, I'm trying to create a, a, a an entire package, if you will, to submit to the listing agent on the other side. In addition to our offer, maybe in addition to a letter to the seller and my cover letter explaining the offer, I want them to know, hey, listen, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. But not only that, here's my client's uh, pre-approval letter. 
Here's their automated underwriting showing that they've been through the process. Here are their credit scores. Look how good, you know, how great their credit is. They've got the doc, you know, the funds to close. Here's everything you need to make a decision. And, and, you know, Josh is going to follow up and have that conversation too. So Josh, what are you seeing most people ask for? Cause each one's a little bit different. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. Um, but I would say like, if you have lower credit scores, probably not going to include your credit in there. Right. I mean, I'm smart enough to know what I want to see as an agent on the other side. And so it's not about hiding anything. I'll provide it if you ask for it, but I'm probably going to, you know, work around things if, if I don't have to show them. But as a whole, Josh, what do you, what do you see? What, what do you think is important in that process? It, it's a complete and total sea change from say three years ago when it was a strong market, but not ultra competitive. At that point in time, no one really wanted to tip their hand. The buyers didn't want to tip their hand that they were approved for uh, eligible to be approved for more than they were offering. Agents didn't necessarily want to do it. So we were putting them all exactly at the purchase price. I would say that's still more common, but I'll have that conversation with the realtor upfront. What, what do you want to see on this? Do you want me to put max qualification or do you want me to just send you over um, something matching exactly to your offer? And it's funny, some listing agents, you know, they're, they'll call and they'll say, hey, I'm considering accepting your client's offer, but um, they're getting countered from 910 and we're going to go to 985. I need new DU findings and a new pre-approval that they're qualified for 985. Um, and some brokerages that the realtors work for on the listing side, we'll get a request halfway through the process. Hey, we need an updated pre-approval letter. And I'm like, why? We're, we're two weeks into it. And yeah. well, our broker wow. requires it for a compliance package so that they can say, if a, if a seller comes back to them, says, you didn't even vet my buyer that fell out at the end. You're like, well, blame these guys. They, they told us upfront that you were, you were pre-approved. <laughs> so it's, it's a funny process, but, but again, that's why I always want to reach out to the listing agents on these. And, and, and an offer that you wrote this week was a really good example. Called the lady. She doesn't answer. Her voicemail's full. She had a very attractive listing. So probably was full of people like, like you calling and asking about it and like right. me trying to talk to her about our offer. Um, so I wasn't able to leave a voicemail. I sent a brief text. I sent uh, an email over to her with a, a bomb bomb video, which is a way of sending video through email. That's a 60 second walkthrough of the file explaining why our clients are awesome, why my team is really good and competent and why it's going to be wonderful working with us. Doesn't always work. We didn't get that one. The, the client was aggressive in their, their counter offer back to the seller, uh, but not aggressive enough. So it doesn't always work, but we're trying to maximize our odds so that instead of you guys going out and writing 12 offers uh, before you get one accepted, it's two or three or five. No, good stuff. Now, another common question, I, I hear you think you're talking about this and it's something that popped in my head. I get people asking all the time, like I have clients, again, the client that we're talking about now, he's been looking for six months, right? Give or take, it might even be longer than that. And, and so how often does he need to get reapproved? Like how how long is the pre-approval good for? Like, is it 30 days? Do I need to update it every single time I make an offer? What's the process? Like how long is that 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 letter, so to speak, you know, good we, to go? So again, we want a refreshed one with every offer that you make because you don't want to make an offer and Jeb, Jeb has the listing and he looks and goes, well, this thing's three weeks out of date. Rates are a half percent higher in that time. I don't even know that they still qualify. So we want to refresh it every time. Your question is, how long is the is it valid for? 
All yeah. of the documentation that you gave us for the pre-approval has different expiration dates. Pay stubs have to be within the last 30 days. Bank statements within the last 60 days. Your credit report expires at 120 days. So in theory, we really should be updating those throughout the process. You want to get your home, so you're going to tell us if something changes. So the conversation I have with all of our clients is, your pre-approval is valid as long as the underlying assumptions and documentation are accurate. You didn't lose your job. You didn't get a pay cut. You didn't go buy a Tesla and have a new $1,500 payment. You didn't spend half the money in your bank account. Um, you didn't miss a payment and your credit score went from 780 to 610. So those are the things, but the, the timelines there are really 30, 60, 120 days before we have to do it. We're not gonna pull a credit report again until your credit report expires. We're probably not gonna get updated bank statements until you get a home uh, under contract operating under the assumption that you know you want to buy a home and you need this money available and you're not going to spend the money or move it. Um, bank, uh, the pay stubs are something that we might get more often in a situation where that's common. I told you a lot of times someone will say, hey, your income, this is wrong. I make $1,000 more than that a month. Well, it's because they work a lot of overtime or they get commissions. And if that is increasing over time, we might want to keep bringing in new pay stubs so we can keep running that calculation and boosting the income and making the debt to income ratio look better uh, over time. But it's a yeah. question. It's a yeah. question we get a ton. How, how long is this valid for? And that's the, the answer that, that we give them is that as long as the underlying information remains the same, you're good. But over time, we will update some of the documentation. Now, now what I heard you say without saying it is once you're pre-approved, don't go out and buy a new car. Don't go out and buy a bunch of furniture. Don't go out and get new credit cards and run them up without talking to your lender first. Have a conversation. It's a quick conversation just saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go do this. Is it going to affect my ability to qualify? Because people often get pre-approved. They're excited about the process. Yes, I'm good to go. You know, I, I, but I need a new car. I need this, whatever. It's okay to, to need and want and do all of that stuff, but just have a quick conversation and see if it's going to affect your ability to qualify. And you might still be okay with it, but just know because- I've seen it happen many times. People get into the process, change things, even after they found a house. You know, going through the loan process, think they're they're golden at that point because the loan file's been approved, and then they go spend something and, and it changes. So, just keep that in mind if you're going through that process. Jeff, so, yep, I, I have a, an amazing and great story. Not great, <laughs> oh. uh, a bad story along those lines. We had two weeks ago a buyer that we had fully pre-approved got their offer accepted. Um, we're about eight days into the process and we get our verification of employment back and find out that she's no longer employed. And we called her. That's a problem. You, usually this is a bad thing where the person got fired for one reason or another and they were ashamed, didn't want to tell us. We call her up and she goes, oh yeah, I hate that job. I've been waiting to quit. We're like, okay, well, we don't have income now and you don't qualify. Well, no, you, you already, I was, I was approved and we got the offer accepted. Like, <laughs> not oh not how it works all the way up till the day of closing any and all of the underlying components of your file can be re-verified so they aren't likely to be re-verified in the last 10 days or so other than credit your credit um, a lender is going to do what's called undisclosed debt monitoring on your credit they're not going to be pulling a credit report that's a hard inquiry it's basically a soft ping just looking to see if you've had any new inquiries any, any new uh, accounts open but 
be aware, Jeb's not kidding. And it, it happens. It doesn't happen often. That's the first time we've had it on a file in process in a couple of years. My wife, uh, who's also in the business a few years back, had a, a transaction where the car salesman told the people on New Year's Eve that if they waited till tomorrow, it's New Year, those prices are going to go up. They bought two cars on New Year's Eve about five days before their two refinances were supposed to close. They didn't get to refinance. Yikes. So with that said, uh, don't like ending episodes on, on bad notes, but listen, it's something that you can learn from. If you're going through the process, considering buying a home, it's super important to make sure that you're actually getting pre-approved. It's okay to have the pre-qualification up front, but make sure you're providing the documentation, going through the process you know, so that you don't have issues at the, you know, at the end, but you know, you've been pre-approved, you're ready to make an offer, but home prices are rising, you know, in, in an environment where, you know, you've seen crazy appreciation over the last couple of years. How can it continue? What's driving home prices? Tune in next episode. We're going to dive into that in detail, guide you through that process. We appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to the educated home buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.